Hello everyone and welcome to Gent Gaming Entertainment News tonight. I'm joined by my lovely host Manny. Manny, how are you? I am doing okay. It's a wonderful Saturday here in uh, rainy Toronto, but it's a it's lovely a good day, Sunday. It's a lovely Sunday here. <laughs> oh man. We're very happy to announce that we're now part of TGI Studios, um, so you can find the podcast being hosted from there, as well as back on iTunes. Uh, I had to take down the old feed and upload an entirely new feed, so that should be live. Should be around the same time this whole thing comes out. Um, so yeah, we found a new place to host. Uh, SoundCloud is no longer where we're hosting our stuff. It's going to be on TGI. Definitely, definitely. And it is just part of... Uh, an effort to like get more stuff out to you guys just so that you have the uh, patch notes you can go to tgi studios to see that and of course there's all the other great podcasts that are on there like of course uh, the gamers in itself and faz uh that people might know me from and Especially of course let's not forget gag cast that's the gag cast has not been active in a while i must say it's a season out of date now but it is fun if you like that sort of shit <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh gagcast man that was that was two hours of us arguing over the color of dresses yeah <laughs> that was a good time there you go anyway yeah so it all should be squared away it all should be nice and easy to access um still not sure about the spotify feed whether that's up or not i'll have to double check that but for right now tgi studios and itunes Anyway, first thing on the uh, radar is the Epic Games Store, the new, I guess, competitor to Steam. They're wanting to try and host all their games on Epic Games. I think, what was it, Metro Exodus had a bit of controversy recently because it was hosted on Epic Games Store as opposed to Steam as like a brand deal thing or something. Yeah, well, for the longest time, Steam has had a virtual monopoly. Um, as far as digital distribution as a storefront goes. And we've now seen a lot of companies sort of jump in and do the Me Too. But Epic seems to be the first real contender because they are, one, offering a really discounted rate of what they take of the sales versus what Steam does. For those who don't know, Steam does like a 30% rake that they take, while Epic uh, Game Store is doing a... 11% roundabout and if you are using their uh, engine the Unreal Engine they actually lower the amount that they'll take because you're already paying for the engine so it's incredibly lucrative for uh, for people who want to make more profit off of each sale to go with Epic but more than that now they are doing some very heavy handed um, pushes to get exclusives. In fact, uh, Exodus, the one that you mentioned, the example of that is that it was available for pre-purchase on Steam. But then after the deal went through, they said, yeah, you can get it pre-purchase on Steam. But as soon as it comes out, we no longer support it. You're going to have to go over to uh, the Epic Game Store to purchase it. If you I remember uh, that. Order. Yeah. I remember that kerfuffle. Jesus and, Christ. And if it was just a store that was 
able to sell things cheaper because they were taking a smaller cut, that would be fine. It would be actually market pressures forcing Steam to like reevaluate their business, but they're really not um, yeah. that. They are they're they're big they're big business. They're trying to like push as much profit as they can. So you're looking at them um, putting through stuff that is the uh, their service where you can get any number of games for free or early releases um, if you happen to be uh, purchasing uh, purchasing their games, particular games through their thing. They have blocked user reviews except that it is part of the roadmap that they're putting in and <laughs> and when that is implemented it is actually at the discretion of the publisher so the publisher doesn't want to put have reviews of their game put on they could not have any reviews put there so it's not market controlled it's publisher controlled that's interesting yeah but in general, the Epic Store is very light on the features, and if you've ever done it yourself, like for my, for me when I was uh, playing through Anthem and when I'm playing the Mass Effect games, that's the storefront that I've been... Oh, no, sorry, I've been going through Origin. I apologize. Yeah, I'm Origin or Gog or one yeah. of the other... Well, <laughs> one of the other ones that, that's, that has tried before and failed. Yep. But the Epic Game Store, um, if you've gone through it, it is kind of like windows 8 with the panels and everything instead of having like proper menus it's sort of like click through on this icon to get into this game and so forth uh the user interface requires some looking at but as i mentioned before they have a roadmap of how they're going to improve this store going forward and it has a lot of good features in it like um, achievements do we like yes. achievements? Are we are we fans of achievements? Because I am neither here nor there when it comes to achievements generally. I am okay with achievements um for specific games. I am less okay with it if the achievements are like like Xbox achievements where it's your grand achievements for everything where it's really a motivation to just buy as many games as possible that to me is kind of worthless insidious and I, I guess it sort of preys on somebody who might just be like totally about their epeen and being like oh i've got a bigger score than you but yeah <laughs> again it, it for me it just seems that it is not so much insidious as loses any kind of relevance because yeah if i get a game a game that like hands out achievement points like candy versus a game that the like let's say you get achievement in dark souls i think that dark souls achievement is going to be way harder to earn than if i'm playing something like candy crush you crush 10 crandies and you get an achievement versus killing like belfry gargoyles exactly so Again, it's it doesn't give any kind of proper reference on what those achievements are. So as soon as you leave the game, I don't think you're comparing apples to apples. I think the achievement points become worthless. 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that they're just being added, I guess, just as a comparison between Epic and Steam now, because Steam does the achievements as well. Um, but, I mean, as, as a player of games, it's never really been something I've uh, hunted down outside of World of Warcraft, and that was because there was, like, in-game mounts associated with them. I guess I've done the achievements in Path of Exile as well, because I've wanted the uh, transmogs that come with that. Um, but other than that, I I need, like, a reward tied to the achievement for me to do the achievement. Yeah. And if you're a completionist, then, yeah, there are some things where it's like, yeah, I'd love to get all the achievements in this game. And I think I did that when Xbox was first doing achievements and they had secured it where it's like, any game can only have a thousand achievements whatsoever. If you have a DLC later on and it meets our standards, you can add uh, a certain hundred more on top for that DLC, but it's not a uh, but it's not a full game, so it doesn't get the full thousand. And I thought that was fine. It made them measure out the achievement achievement points how they wanted. Like if they wanted to give a bunch of five points, so you had to do a million things to finally get your thousand. So be it. If they wanted to give ten achievements that were worth just uh, just like a hundred each, so be it. Um, honestly. Achievements were one of those things that just became ingrained into games. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I'm okay with that because it was it is a nice little thing that once you've gone through maybe the mainline stuff, you can work towards these ex uh, these extra goals which are laid out for you as achievements. But that's not all that they're adding though. And achievements really are something that they're saying is kind of down the line. The way they laid it out is that for the short term thing, they're adding things that like actually make this store more than just a buy a game, you're done. There's like the search uh, functionality that they put in, right? Preloading a game so that you can actually like download it and have it ready to go at midnight whenever the release is. Oh, Path of Exile does that, and it's the fucking best thing. Oh my god. Yeah. It's so Which... good. Which isn't a new thing. Path of Exile does it. Obviously, Blizzard, with all their game, uh, games, does it, where they will have it uh, downloaded once you purchase it and then activate it at the time. Steam, the big competitor, does it with pretty much every game. So it is not nothing new, and it is actually odd that it didn't launch with that functionality, it's considering. almost the standard, really. It's what you expect is if I buy the game, I expect it to be downloaded and ready to play by the time it launches, as opposed to when it launches, I have to download it. Yep. Just how so, things are. Yeah, it, it really just seems like they're now trying to catch back up with things that people want rather than the exclusives, which is, seems like anti-competitive measures. So going through it all, like, they actually have wish lists, so if there's stuff that you are looking forward to or want to uh, want to flag, so if it becomes a, it becomes on a sale or somebody else wants to give it to you, you have the wish list functionality that's being put in. They have playtime tracking, so you know how much you've played a game, and then that's dangerous. <laughs> I hate that feature because I have almost two thousand I... hours of Path of Exile, and it scares me. 
Wow. I I think the uh big ones for me are typically the ones where I uh, where I uh say, "Oh man, I've hit 100 hours in a game." Like that's like when I feel like, "Oh, I've really invested in a game." Yeah. That being said, I also play World of Warcraft where my playtime is measured in possibly days. No, yeah. no, sorry, not possibly days, possibly months of actual playtime. Yeah. Um wow, wow's a massive time sink. Massive massive time sink. Most definitely. And the last thing that they have, and this is all stuff that they are looking at for the uh, first six months, right? Uh, the last thing that's going to come out in the next six months that they're saying is mod support. Again, another feature that Steam has that people uh, people enjoyed where you can support the mod community, something that was huge for Skyrim and had made that game last way beyond anything that it really should have still now really technically there's that multiplayer mod coming out wow yeah so and that's community support that it just like increases the longevity of your game and gives you ideas for something that you may want to include in the next version version or iteration of your game whatever it might be outside of that window they're looking at stuff like new payment options so you can use maybe paypal or other things multiple SKU uh listings so that if you want to get like the premium special super version that's something that you're able to do additional currencies various things that like just make it easier for people to spend their money or spend more money yeah uh ideal in any any person who makes a game wants more money right for their product <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Epic Games does as well. Yeah, um, the things that are coming actually even sooner than that, that are actually within the next one to three months, are things like cloud saves, so that you could save on on uh, one system, pick up another system, and then play it uh, play it there without uh, having to like bring your save file or whatever along with you. Um. Also, as well, double saving just in case you you have like a corrupted uh, hard drive or something like that as well. Useful. Exactly. Yep. Um, the redesign of the pages, because again, like we had said, it is it is a pretty lackluster um, built thing. I'm not entirely sure who built that design, but whatever. <laughs> An it was actual. Me. I'm sorry. It was me. <laughs> Hands up. An actual improvement to the offline mode, which is something that Steam struggled with back in the day, but again, they've had years to build it up and become the standard. To fall behind the standard is not helpful. Mm. So the offline mode is very helpful. The ability to actually put games into genres and have tags on them also is something that they're they're introducing. And then... The the long-term goals, the ones that they don't know exactly when they'll be, that's the achievements that we talked about. Um, that's the social interaction so that you can do more with than see what friend uh, your friends are playing and join them in the, the game if you already know it. There can be like maybe suggestive titles or other th things like communities around games. Yeah, well, the Steam function for that's always good because you get to go in and see 
what do the people who play this game and have played a decent amount think of it, as opposed to just the Steam reviews, which can sometimes be a bit dodgy. Definitely. And sort of talking about Steam reviews, because uh, that is actually a bit of news that came up, is that Steam is now going to target and remove review bombings. And basically when people organize organize and put in a bunch of reviews that are not really related to the game, but might be related to some sort of like statement that they want to make, um, I whether it be political or otherwise, Steam is now actually going to remove or reset uh, reviews if they find that a game has been a target of a review bomb. And that's very good. We were talking um, just on the last episode about Steam not really taking a good hand at curating their content, but this is a st- this is a step that would help sort of, sort of things. There has also been issues with companies paying to do certain review uh, manipulation. Oh, really? And I'm glad that's yeah. I'm glad that Steam is sort of like putting their foot down on this topic. If you want to know about the the stuff that they're not putting their foot down on and the stuff that I'm upset about, I definitely uh, invite people to listen to the last episode, episode three, about our microtransactions and various other topics. I mean, yeah, definitely listen to our podcast more, guys. Uh, <laughs> but... Um... I think it's cool that we are seeing such big changes to a platform that's trying to be a competitor to Steam because competition always breeds excellence and Steam for a long time has been top dog and there's been other stores like GOG and Origin that have tried to knock it off its perch and I don't think they've succeeded and I think this store might be the closest one to succeeding as a competitor simply because it's the same people who made... um, Fortnite, and that is still the most popular game. I don't think it's been knocked off its pedestal just quite yet. Um, they're making a new game called Satisfactory as well, which is looking like Factorio but modern, looking amazing. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I hope that stuff like this does get implemented, and it means that people can sort of choose something a little less comfortable that isn't so wildly different having stuff like the achievements and the social settings that are similar but unique enough to this to the Epic Games store might make people like me go, oh, I might actually give the store a try, because so far I have not. It doesn't help that I'm not really in the market for any more games at the moment. I'm sort of just playing a few games that I've already bought. Um, but yeah, it is good to see changes and growth and such. <laughs> yeah but i hope that if they get a significant market share they are as benevolent as uh valve was with their near monopolistic market share and things like uh locked in exclusives don't really give me that feeling so yeah we will see that's very true it's interesting at the very least. You know what else is interesting? A Simpsons and League of Legends crossover. 
don't know when it's happening. It should be airing, I think, tomorrow, because it says Sunday, and that must be American times. It won't be me. So tomorrow, The Simpsons is having a new episode where Bart becomes an esports player, and I think it's being sponsored by League of Legends. They are... <laughs> According to the screenshot, they are <laughs> playing a game called Conflict of Enemies. Which is the best fucking renaming of a of the game I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't been a big fan of Simpsons in a while because I feel like the show sort of grew grew old over time. Yes, very much um, so. But regardless, I like when they're topical. I think that that's a that's a good thing. I don't like that they were paid off by League of Legends. That just seems really weird and um, kind of a weird marketing thing too because Simpsons isn't really what I would think of when I would, would, I would think of product placement in a relevant show today. Oh, but it's it, not, it turns out, it's not a product placement, but they're just testing the authenticity. They're talking to League of Legends just to make sure it like fits what a mobile would fit like. I don't think it's a League of Legends specific sponsorship. Okay. I think they're just basing it off the game and using the people at League of Legends just to make sure that like, yes, this is a lane. Yes, this is the core. Yes, you have five players. I think okay. that's what's happening, which is a little less, less um, surreal. No, that's fine. If they got if they're doing fact checking with Riot to make sure that they're actually making it like along the lines of what it should be, so be it. And yeah, I I guess so. It just seems weird in my opinion because I feel like Simpsons is passé, and then also MOBAs have sort of moved out of the limelight with like battle royales now being the big thing. Yes. So it just feels like they're just a bit behind the curve in terms of Simpsons trying to be topical. Isn't that isn't that just life though? Like big businesses and big corporations and governments always just seem to be a little bit behind the curveball of what's actually happening. True enough, true enough. But kinda looking ahead of the curve, uh you sh showed me a video of Something new happening in Apex, and and do you want to tell me about this? Right. So Apex is supposedly getting its first battle pass soon, its first season, and it's supposed to be launching with a hero who is supposedly called Octane. Who I don't know what the fuck he does. He looks weird. Okay, he's a weird-looking guy. He looks a bit punk rock. What we have had, however are jump pads that have suddenly appeared in the game with no sort of warning, no, no no patch notes, no nothing, but they're sprinkled throughout the maps and when you land on them, you jump in the direction that you're moving for, um, I'd say, like, a pretty good while. It's nowhere near as long as the uh, big long ropes you can shoot up in and glide across. It's nowhere near as big as that. But they're big enough to, say, get you onto the top of the marketplace building or on top of two-story buildings and stuff like that. And the current theory is, is that this ability is the ultimate ability of the new hero Octane, and they're sort of teasing them around um, to get people hyped for whatever's coming next in Apex Legends, which should 
he should be coming out with the Season 1 Battle Pass because he's all been leaked and everything. His artwork's been leaked, yada, yada, yada. Um, it just seems to make a lot of sense, but it's very exciting nonetheless. I have not played Apex yet with this in the game, however. Uh, I've been too busy. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I look at that and I don't see it as an ultimate. I see it as kind of like the special ability that he could use to like give his team more mobility kind of sort of like the warp gate but like because it is far less safe because you're literally pushing yourself up into the air i don't see it as an ultimate ability it, it has too many drawbacks including right now anybody can use it I'm not sure if that's going to be true when he, when he is actually on a team. Uh, and the distance that it goes as well isn't that huge. So for me, I feel like it could be just like he gives he gives your team an out that might not might not uh, be there otherwise, get you into a position that you might not otherwise be there. That gives you some uh, some additional versatility having him on your team, but in place you don't have the riot shield of some heroes you don't have the uh the ability to heal up like uh, like other he heroes and that's his thing his ultimate i i would hope is a little bit more powerful than what i saw in the video thing is though mm -hmm. my uh, not lifeline sorry the other support the scouting pathfinder has a movement ability like this with the zipline that you can use pretty frequently. It recharges pretty quick and everyone can use it. But I see what you're saying. It might not be powerful enough by itself to be an ultimate. Maybe the ultimate's like a big balloon or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Being octane, but... it must have something to do with gas going into an expanding thing of some description. I, he just might be like fast on everything. It's just like, yeah, jump higher, move faster, everything up to the highest octane sort of thing. Maybe, yeah. That, that, sound, that sounds hard to balance. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, there's definitely a variety of knobs to balance, especially since there is skill in using it because you go in the direction you are jumping. If you jump on the wrong way, you go flying off a cliff. You could go flying into the line of fire and be nowhere near um, any kind of cover. And the entire time you're up in the air, you do not have control of uh, where you're going. So there's a lot of there's a lot of downside to it. There's a lot of uh, skill involved in it i don't see it as a incredibly strong advantage to an unskilled player hmm. so the big thing that uh i wanted to talk about this week is uh a ban in india where four cities have banned the mobile version of PUBG, and the way that this works is that there's actually two parts to this law. There is the the first part where if you yourself are caught playing it, you are you are obviously uh, charged with the offense. But there is also a second part where if you know somebody to be playing it and you do not report it, you are equally able to be charged with the offense. Jesus. And. The fourth in the police. first, <laughs> well, it's a it is being 
being said as a temporary ban while they are in their uh, uh, their highest point of, of studies, right? So they're saying that the game is too addictive, that people are not controlling themselves, and so they are temporarily banning the game so, so students can concentrate on their studies. I mean, I understand that, but I mean, for us, PUBG isn't that big of a game, but it must be big in India for it this to be the one targeted, or it's seen as the one that's the most realistic and is therefore the most effective. I don't know. I don't know. I don't live in these parts of India, so it's really hard for me to say. So I don't know how this game rates in India compared to other games of the same genre, like uh, like other battle royales, uh, like we had just said with uh, with. PUBG versus, uh, versus um, I apologize, I'm blanking on the name now. Uh, Fortnite? Fortnite, yeah, exactly. So I don't know exactly how it rates upon that, but this is the game that has been targeted. Uh, it is part of their penal code, which covers like um, disobedience of an order lawfully uh, given by a public servant, right? And that means that if the police spot somebody uh, playing it and they ask them to stop and they don't stop, right, they can be arrested. So you can you can be like, yeah, I'm putting it away and and be let off without an arrest. But there have been about 10 arrests in the first two days of this. Jesus. <laughs> and the the uh police inspector when when they were uh reporting on this said that the people were so addicted so into the game that they failed to even see their uh, the squad uh coming up on them and that in my mind is a very funny picture where you yeah. see you know little bobby on the playground and the swat team's just moving in and bobby doesn't even know because he's just, he's the just headphones there in and going yeah yeah like, oh god i found a med kit oh shit <laughs> <laughs> they got so, miguel <laughs> yeah there it's a very culturally aligned law right Yes, it they has are, to be. Yeah, they're definitely trying to police social behaviors at, at this point, and that is a very strange thing. But it goes along kind of a conversation that we had because of feedback about uh, loot boxes, because loot boxes are another part of gaming where governments have been getting involved and uh dealing with laws and it becomes a matter of like how much does a government uh address these sort of things in this case i would say it's a little overbearing yeah it's a bit too much eh? uh well any time where someone gets fucking arrested for playing a game it seems a bit too much yeah Definitely. And then we on the side of loot boxes, I think that there are certain things that should be policed. 
In fact, uh, as sort of a follow-up to what we were talking about before, where I was saying that uh, China had put a, through laws that said, listen, you have to disclose the odds. EA, um, and actually more a better example is Activision Blizzard, decided to change the way that you buy loot boxes. So instead of buying the loot box, you would buy a certain amount of whatever space bucks that you would normally get from a loot box. And then they give you a loot box free with purchase. Yeah. And in that way, they're not selling the loot box. And because they are not selling the loot box, it skirts the law and they no longer have to disclose the odds. What a workaround. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they don't want to disclose the odds because they're going to be unbelievably trash. Definitely something that uh, that is suspect. When you when you have something and it is the main allure of microtransactions, and you don't really want to disclose how good a deal you're giving, you're usually not giving a good deal. Yeah, usually fucking not. A eh? God, it seems so insane to me. <laughs> It's very insidious. And so, yeah, I think in a lot of cases like that, you kind of have to look at that and say, like, maybe the, gov the government needs to get involved. I'm not saying ban the sale of loot boxes, but yeah, if you can't tell me what the odds are of getting something in the loot box, right, then it's a very shady uh, practice you're doing and light needs to be uh, shot on that, shot on that. Um, part of the uh, the uh, law that that was put in required that every uh, period, I think it was like a month or a couple of months, they would need to disclose how many loot boxes were purchased, how many people got whatever rarity, so that you could see it in action. And this wasn't like a big disclosure that they had to put on the front of their page. They could. Uh, they could post it on a back page somewhere, or they could uh, do a site specifically for that. And, uh, and it's just so that the government can check on it to make sure that, uh, that this is uh, okay, that the public is aware of what's going on. But they didn't want the public to know. And that's the part where you go, okay, this is obviously made unfairly for me. If you don't yeah. want me to know, and if you're not, if you feel almost ashamed to let me know what the statistical odds are of getting certain pieces of loot, then it sounds like you're holding a dark secret back. Yeah. Which and is never good. Going through space bucks to obfuscate it, going through to make it as close, like going to the bare minimum to, to skirt these legal issues, right? While still preying on the same side of psychology that is involved with, uh, with it, is like incredibly predatory business practices, and I, yeah, I feel like it cannot be left beyond reproach. Yeah, it really can't. I mean, 
I just don't I just don't like loot boxes. I'm sorry. Like I play a lot of Path of Exile and even then they show you the odds you have of getting something and I just don't like buying them because it's always just random and I hate feeling like I'm throwing my money away and that's what loot boxes feel like to me. I'm sorry. But it's just what it feels like. Yeah, definitely. And so the other thing that I want to uh, talk about in regards to in regards to that is how much government intervention should there be in the game industry? We've already had things where uh, there was talk of replacing the ESRB in uh, in North America to put in their own review council. On the other end, we have China where they need to review every single game uh, before they it can be sold, and that is close to what is a censorship. Very close to. Right? And so that's the question. Like, it, are we allowing it to be a kind of Wild West, which I believe the two of us have already said previously, we didn't like when Valve was just letting anything go, right? And then um, a, a person who talked who uh, sent in feedback to the show, that's Buck Weister, he was talking about, well, going down a slope where it would be a censorship. So is there a happy medium? Can it be a happy medium? I think so. Um, I think it's just a case of, like Blizzard balancing, people tend to go to one extreme or the other. So you have people who don't want to do anything, and then you have people who want to control absolutely every aspect, and there doesn't seem to be a happy medium, just because that's what people... People aren't comfortable doing half and half, I don't think. Just from what we've seen with governments and that. Um, yeah, but I think it is necessary. Or, well... <sighs> you know, it's like you try and take the best of both worlds, right? You try and take the, we're going to... Um, have a say in a, in a to an extent about what games are fine and what monetization things are fine but we're not going to regulate them so heavily so long as they fit within our loose criteria sort of thing i think would be good um yeah. but just the wild wild west of it all just lets those who are the best at exploiting people succeed the most yeah i i have to agree with that in terms of government, I feel that they set a baseline that if it falls below this standard, it becomes government regulated. And then if it's above a certain standard, if you can, with your own personal uh, matters, put it above a standard, then it's up to you to regulate it. And in that way, if the private regulation becomes too much of a censorship, then they fail as a business because somebody else will come come along along with something that is more free market. But to avoid the predatory nature or the Wild West, the government creates a baseline, a common standard. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But it's so difficult to, like, regulate this because it's such a new form of media and I think, like, governments just never have touched it. I mean, there's no unions for games either. 
That would be a big thing. It'd be huge, actually. Yeah. And maybe that's something we will talk about on a, a different show. We kind of touched upon unionization in our very first episode. Um, but the the truth of the matter is there's been so many leaps and bounds in technology with like the birth of the Internet, with um, the rise of social media, with so many different things, including um, even now we've got influencer culture, which is completely different than where it used to be accredited and standardized authorities. Now it's very much to the wind who actually can bring people to your game. And we've seen companies um, try and grasp with this where they have in the case of apex legends, given uh, streamers money to be like, Hey, we want you to uh, stream this game to like get the hype out there. And it worked wonders for uh, Apex Legends. That game has like 50 million um, cool. users in it. Yeah. It's right? huge. And it's such a new game. It ballooned overnight. But at the same time now, um, because their community is so huge, it's near impossible for them to actually have any kind of say on like what the community is talking about. It's just all over the place. They're talking in Reddit. They're talking in their own little discords. They, there are the various people streaming that will have their opinion and it's not concentrated in any one place. So what is being talked about, how they can influence their community is very much now out of their hands. They can only put out the game and hope that people like it. Yeah. It's too spread out, which I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, really. Um, I mean, it's nice that people have their own communities that they feel safe and easy to participate in and enjoy. But yeah, it, there's certainly no, no. oh yeah, uh, Bobby, Bobby, we need to research what people want in Apex Legend. Okay, where do I go? Do I go Twitter? Do I go Tumblr? Do I go Reddit? Do I go WordSpace? Do I go through gaming news websites? Do I go, you know? Everywhere. like do you, Go everywhere and try and try and make try and make some sort of pattern, I guess. Yep, you just have to go everywhere and look for themes, right? See what the most upvoted thing is on Reddit. See what the most uh, trending tweet is about your your games, and just go from there. Because at this point, the community's not going to you for it. There is no social link to anybody um, on the development team. For Apex, they will put out like announcements on what they're doing, but many people are seeing that typically secondhand or through their again influencers, not directly from uh, the the company, and that means that everything goes through a lens of what somebody else thinks now, not the and may not be entirely true to the message that you were trying to send out. Yeah, what a wild world we live in. So many variables. <laughs> I mean, the main message I'm seeing from Apex Legends is hitboxes are so different and there doesn't seem to be an advantage for bigger hitboxes, so it uh, makes certain characters better just because they're harder to hit. And yeah. uh, buff buff um, Caustic. Because he's shit. So shit. Oh my god. Awful. <laughs> 
Well, they are doing incremental balancing. So good on them for like making small adjustments, making sure that like certain like ammo was span uh, spawning more that like um energy guns were were better and all of that sort of stuff and hopefully we will we'll continue to see it as as they go and they continue to be responsive on the stuff that they see um i think that the biggest thing that i would want for uh apex legends I think it would be the modes that they were talking about where it's going to be true free-for-all or just twos. Twos. Twos would be right? great. Yeah. And free-for-all. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, because sometimes maybe I just want to jump in and just play by myself and not some uh, randoms. And sometimes maybe I just got you and it's like, we can't find a third. Let's just jump. Yeah, because randoms, you know, sorry guys, but it's always a risk. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, honestly, I think that there's a lot of technology out there. There's uh, that we as a civilization, as various cultures, need to get a handle on. I do not fault India for having cultural laws to things that they see as dangerous. I do fault them for being a bit over uh, uh, heavy-handed and overbearing with it, but that is a standpoint and that is based on my own subjective views yeah like we don't live over there we don't know what it's like it could be a completely different ballpark most definitely but Gotti, what have you been playing this week well i've had a ridiculously busy week because i just started my new job and i've had other things in my life that have been pretty big on top of the very very tragic um Christchurch shooting that happened recently, I haven't had a lot of time for games. The only real game I've played has been more Path of Exile, and I've sort of just been leveling a character, but not really touched much into Endgame. I've done a bit of leveling. I think my character's level 80 now. Um, I've just started in mid-tier map, so like midway through the Endgame. Um, but that's been about it. I've been so busy just with life and trying to sort stuff out, and obviously this job, and you know, I'm looking at buying a push bike soon so I can get to work and home safely. And uh, yeah, I haven't done a lot of gaming in my life this week, unfortunately. Uh, or maybe fortunately, I don't know. It might be a good thing to not have such a heavy gaming week sometimes. What about you? I mean, you? you're you're dealing with like, you know, nice, warm, well, maybe nice, warm is a little bit of understatement. You're dealing with your nice summer and... I'm dealing with the winter, so I've been uh, not liking the, the outdoors as much. But as for games that I've been playing, still on the Mass Effect, uh, trying to get the best armor that I can to finish off Mass Effect 1 before I step into Mass Effect 2. Perfect. But more than anything this week, the game that I've been playing is World of Warcraft because of the uh, new 8.1.5. And all the stuff that's been in there, they've added so much single-player content, and it's great. Oh, Thank that's really you. good to hear. Like, what's what's the single-player content? The new profession stuff? The new profession stuff was was good because it has, like, quests actually involved in it that that you went around the, the world doing various things to build up this uh, this tool, which is actually useful for me as a jewel crafter. 
I kind of wish that they had done something for the gathering profession as well, but considering hey how poorly they balanced the uh, the ones that they put in, I'm cool to leave it alone. Yeah, isn't one of them like you can enchant a golem to attack things for five minutes and it costs like a blue enchanting material? And it's garbage. That golem, like at this point where we're two tiers into raiding, the golem doesn't do any significant amount of damage. There's inscription one that also does guardians, right? That is nothing to write home about. A lot of them allow you to get additional materials. That's good. Which is good yeah but they're all over the place the blacksmith one allows you to repair one piece of gear um without cost every hour and only one piece per uh, per hour <laughs> which is just like trashed here yeah that's not that great <laughs> and then you have a chance when you make um equipment for that equipment to be indestructible, which means that you won't spend one of your cooldowns repairing that. If you happen to get the indestructible proc, when you get the right secondaries, if it's a piece that is good. So it's, just, it's again, trashed here. Too much RNG or too limited. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. Yeah. But what? the good stuff that's single player in there, um, and I'll definitely talk more in depth when Faz rolls around, but there is um, the war campaign, which has been pretty good. There is the Zandalari and Kulteran recruitment stuff, which I love those uh, those uh, those quest chains. And just a number of just good single player content, especially and the highlight of this week for me has been the Brawler's Guild. Uh, Brawler's Guild is great. Always yeah. has been. Challenge, challenging fights, and yes, I know that the quest is pretty much an over-glorified tutorial, but it is fun and engaging, and it makes it rise above being a tutorial. <laughs> Isn't there like a new murder mystery? Yes. Ah. Including a little courtroom scene. Oh, great. Well, that's that sounds really good. I mean, I hope this is the turnaround for BFA in terms of its quality. Yeah, there's a lot of good things in here, and with all the stuff that is being hinted at in 8.2, it looks to be actually a good turning point. Brilliant. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week, because, like I said, I've just been so out of the loop this week just with work stuff and life in general and just dealing with some personal issues, so I do apologize that I didn't talk much during this episode, Manny. That's okay. When your country declares a natural emergency, uh, I can see you being a little shook from that. So thank you for recording today. That's all good. It's nice to have stuff to do. I like being busy. It's like, like my mum said, you're like me, Richard. You like being busy. And I'm like, yes, I do, mum. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, thanks very much for listening. Again, we are now partnered with TGI Studio, so you can find us on there. Also on iTunes when that goes live, which should be about the time this gets published, um, because we record it on a Saturday usually, and I get it all published the following day. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye, guys, and a special thank you to Grumpy and uh, Buckweister. Until next time, guys, have fun. Ciao.